Did you miss your deadline to renew your Medicaid coverage? You can still send your completed annual review form to Healthy Connections Medicaid. You may be assigned to another health plan, but you can ask to come back to First Choice within 60 days of renewed Medicaid eligibility. It's your family. It's your choice. First Choice is the right choice. Renew and choose us. Visit selecthealthofsc.com renew to learn more. For the best TV viewing experience, witness the coziest maroons, the most vibrant and brightest moons, the eeriest and darkest tombs, and radiant and vivid hues in any type of room with the Neo QLED and OLED TVs by Samsung. We're supposed to say Samsung, but that didn't rhyme, so <laughs> you're welcome. Samsung, more wow than ever. Welcome to the awesome MMA DFS Strategy Show. We are sponsored by Monkey Knife Fight, and we are here to get you ready for UFC Vegas number 24, the last UFC event before we go back to fans next week for UFC 261, which, Pete, that's going to be a little odd to watch. Yeah, it's a little bittersweet, right? Like for me, as the MMA purist, I love it where it's just silence and you just focus on the fight. But I do understand that having fans in attendance helps the company. It's exciting when you see fans' reactions and everything. But, you know, I've really appreciated this time where it's been more, uh, you know, in the spotlight with silence and more like a focus on what's going on in the cage. Yeah, I would say one of the things, and really uh, last week watching the Bellator card of being able to hear some corners and going, man, not great advice coming out of those corners in between <laughs> the rounds. <laughs> there were there was some there was there was one fight in particular. 
I was just like, oh, there's really no technical advice going on here. I mean, no technical advice at all here. But, uh, of course, we're going to break this one down for you. Uh, we'll go through all of the fights. You know, typically, we like to start the show talking about the main event. But do want to start off with a question we got over in Slack. Uh, Sam asked this. He says, what are efficient ways to research for a slate, in your opinion? And I thought this was a, a great question to start the show off with. Yeah, I mean, there's so many ways to research, you know, a fight card, but I would definitely recommend, you know, fight footage. I I think watching tape is some of the most, you know, the most ways to find an edge on certain fights, um, you know, and kind of formulate your own opinion and to see if you like that fighter's style or if you like what you're seeing in the footage or their recent run of fights. I definitely recommend, you know, watching fight footage. In addition to that, after you've done that and you've kind of made notes or whatnot, you can definitely go through and check out the odds. And then you can notice some discrepancies or some spots where you can take advantage of, let's say, the field of people, you know, maybe looking at, let's say, uh, you know, Andre Orlovsky over Chase Sherman or whatnot. And maybe in fight footage, you really liked what you saw from Chase Sherman. Um, you know, and I think that's when you can kind of find some spots to target. And then for DFS, the next thing definitely comes down to salary, right? Like salary means everything for DFS and it comes down to will a fighter or a DFS player pay off their salary? Um, or will there be cheaper options that, you know, overproduce or actually pay off their salary and some, and, um, you know, it's all about roster construction. And if you find a nice balance, that's when you can start to take down some GPP, start to cash, um, you know, whether it's in cash games or GPPs, you mix that with our tools over on awesome.com. You know, it's a recipe for success. And of course, uh, one thing I will mention is free today over at awesome.com is the top fighter tool, a great tool to use to develop your lives. Plus, we got a great promo going on over at awesome.com. We'll tell you about that here in a little bit. Another thing I will add to what you just said there, Pete, mm. is peek over to their Instagram. See where yeah. they've been training. Have they maybe tra- changed up their training? That can offer you a little piece into maybe, you know, they're, they're, they're training at, say, ATT now. Or, or maybe, they, you know, they have they live in South Florida. They've been ATT for some time. Maybe now they're at Stanford MMA. They're at MMA Masters. Instagram, because that is definitely the preferred social media platform for fighters. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, like... It's also some fighters like to be secretive about their training. And then you can actually, you know, get a read on some fighters where they're posting, whether it's videos or photos and, uh, you know, kind of following a fighter throughout their, their training camp. And they talk about the ins and outs, or perhaps, um, you know, you start to see them working with, let's say the champion or whatever you see, like, Oh my goodness. Well, the champions in there helping them out. And it's the champions, a phenomenal wrestler. So maybe in this spot, they're actually have a better game plan or better defense going up into this fight. But I definitely would agree that social media is another factor that you need to take into consideration when formulating DFS lineups. Of course, I uh, appreciate everyone that's here live on a Thursday night for the strategy show. Of course, if there's ever a time that you're not able to catch us live, you can't catch us as part of the Oslo Podcast Network. That's a great tool that I love to use each and every day, whether it's the uh, the Slate Starter Podcast. There's a podcast I check out every day to help develop my NBA lines, or maybe it's one of the strategy shows here. So check it out there. And of course, leave a five-star rating and review with your Twitter handle or email for your chance to be eligible to win a free week of also plus platinum. One winner will be awarded every Friday and reviews will be eligible to win up for one year. Pete, with all that said, let's 
get right into the main event. Calvin Gassum, Robert Whitaker, these two men were hours away from fighting each other back at the beginning of 2019. However, medical issues with... Robert Whitaker forces the fight to be scratched. I was listening to the Anik and Fornian podcast, and John Anik was talking about being Australia as he got an early workout in, and he was walking to his room to see the UFC walking to Team Gaslam's hotel room to let him know that he would not be fighting that night. A man that was just hours away from fighting for the undisputed UFC middleweight title, and he never to this point, has fought for the middleweight title here. Uh, what is your thoughts here, Robert Wicker, Kelvin Gaslam? Robert Wicker, you two and a half to one betting favorite, plus two ten on the other side for Kelvin Gaslam. Yeah, you know this is a, a matchup, you know that's been in the making for some time, and I'm excited that we finally get to see it. It's an exciting main event, it really is. Um, you know, you're talking about a nice, a nice matchup here, but not too long ago we were talking about does Kelvin Gastelum still belong within the top or the, you know, top of the division with, you know, three defeats to Adesanya Till and then uh, Jack Hermanson uh, and then comes out and then has a nice performance against Ian Heinish. So with recency bias, yes, he did look fantastic, but we also have to kind of look, you know, in his past five fights and say, okay, well, can you really trust Kelvin Gastelum? I would probably say, no, you can't trust him. But I think that his price on DraftKings is is really nice. It's an attractive price, 7100 super, super cheap. And, uh, you know, with his style, he can definitely knock down and potentially finish Robert Whitaker. But I have so much respect for the champ, well, the former champion. You know, he's fought Southpaws, has plenty of experience against UL Romero, Darren Till, um, Derek Brunson. The guy has, you know, a nice strategy to defeat, you know, uh, Southpaws has good volume striking, likes to, you know, keep it on the outside, occasionally mixing some takedowns. But as far as wrestling is considered, I would say that Kelvin Gaston probably has the edge as far as like, you know, scrambling ability and whatnot. But, um, you know, I'm going to target both fighters. I really am. I I think that you can't go wrong with either one of them. The the thing with Robert Whitaker is with his price tag, 9,100, does he pay off in a five round striking affair? I don't really know, Jason. I don't really know if he does because if there's no knockdowns, no takedowns, no control time, and it's kind of just back and forth, tit for tat type of fight, you could be looking at an underwhelming score for his price. Um, but with that, with all that being said, it's difficult to predict how a fight is going to go. I'll have plenty of shares of Robert Whitaker, and I'll be leaning his way. But, you know, Kelvin Gaslam's a fantastic underdog to target. You know, we always think about Kelvin Gaslam at 185 pounds. We always think of a fighter that's going to be, you know, a size disadvantage majorly in a lot of these fights. However, that's not really the case here. Only a two-inch reach advantage for Robert Wicker, according to Fight Metric, uh, six feet tall versus five nine. I think the thing, if you want to be a Kelvin Gaslam backer, I think because of the DraftKings scoring system, you got to be hoping that he get, does go to the takedown route here. 9,100 for Robert Whitaker, 7,100 for Kelvin Gaslam. If you do like Gaslam, you got a little uh, price break over on the FanDuel side of the equation here. $15 uh, for him and $21 for Robert Whitaker. Yeah, you know, with all that being said, right, like Robert Whitaker has some fantastic takedown defense, 84%. So I think like it's going to be tough sliding for Kelvin Gaston to take him down. I think his strategy is going to be using that, uh, you know, that level change to his advantage to maybe get Robert Whitaker to bite on a takedown, you know, and, and you know, just fake and fake uh, completely and try to get Robert Whitaker to drop his hands and potentially catch him with a big shot. I actually think like he has a better shot 
at catching Robert Whitaker with a big shot, knocking him down, maybe work towards a finish. Then he does to go out there with just a full wrestling game plan to take him down. Because we've seen, yes, Yoel Romero's taken down Robert Whitaker, but he pops back up and he's still there for five rounds. And uh, such a high pace, such a high work rate. I don't know if Kelvin Gaston can really hang outside of short spurts. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's it's a fight that I do want to target a lot. I'll probably have my exposure on Gaston will probably be in in the fifteen to twenty percent range, and my yeah. exposure on, on Whitaker will probably be in that that thirty five to forty percent range. Yeah, I think that's accurate, Jason. I, I agree with that. Um, you know, let's. I always say prioritize main event, co main event, underdogs. If you're going to you know target any underdogs because they are some of the most skilled on the entire card. It's no different here. I mean, Kellen Gaslam, yeah, because just because he is one in three in his past four does not mean that he can't go out there and starch Robert Whitaker. Every fight is different, Jason. You know this. And, uh, you know, recency bias is a thing. So, you know, make sure that you have your exposure to Kellen Gaslam. I want to mention this question from uh, Josh Castro over on YouTube. Uh, and this is more about a general thought. He says, What's something going into a fight that a fighter slash corner can do or say that is a huge red flag? Uh, well, hi, Josh. Thanks for checking out the show. I will say that a huge red flag is when you notice a coach or corner, they're more of a cheerleader than actual technical advice. Like when you're, when you're in the cage, it's good to have some, you know, motivating moments where you're trying to uplift your fighter. You need that. You need to combine that with technical advice too. Like if I'm just screaming at Jason, come on, Jason, punch him in the face. Like that's not really helpful. I need to teach you or tell you how you should set up a punch. He's throwing his right hand a lot. I want you to slip off the center line, catch him with a left hook or, you know, whatever, come up with something strategic and technical that your fighter can actually use in the cage rather than just having another cheerleader there for you. Yeah, that's, that's the one thing I always kind of, especially between rounds uh, of listening to corners and seeing who's giving that true technical advice of, you know, maybe you just went out there and had a really bad round. What What is that technical advice to help lead that fighter uh, to take over? Let's move on to the co-main event. It'll be Jeremy Stevens taking on Jakar Close. Jeremy Stevens, 8,400 on DraftKings, 7,800 for Close, and then it's 17 and 15, respectively, over on FanDuel. Jeremy Stevens, minus 120 betting favorite. Plus 100 for Drakkar Close, as this is the return to 155 pounds for Jeremy Stevens. And do want to mention this question uh, that did come in uh, earlier. Uh, this came on via Twitter uh, from Hunter. He says, uh, can Pete advise if he feels Jeremy Stevens will try to implement his grappling? And does he think he gets a takedown if he does this? Um, well, I will say that I think that I favor Jeremy Stevens in the matchup and I do think that he can get takedowns if he wants to against Drakkar close. Um, they both have pretty decent takedown defense, 65% for Jeremy Stevens, 68% for Drakkar close. I will say that Jeremy Stevens seems to have more variety of his strikes, uh, lots of good leg kicks, um, big, big power shots, whereas Drakkar close is probably the more that more of the pop shot and type of fighter in this matchup. Um, I do think that if things get ugly, Jeremy Stevens could impress with takedowns in his grappling because the guy has a tremendous amount of experience. And let me tell you, all of that experience, he's seen it all in the octagon. He's faced and fought and beaten and even lost to some of the best fighters ever in the UFC. So, um, you know, that means something here. And uh, him going back up to his original weight class, 155 pounds, I wonder if maybe that, you know, cutting those extra 10 pounds were hurting him. Um, you know, and it's been quite some time since he's, he's tasted victory. He's tasted defeat quite often. 
um, on a, a pretty big lo- losing streak, um, you know, four fight losing streak. I do think that I like Jeremy Stevens here, and this could be a contrarian pick. And yeah, he's he's priced appropriately where he can go out there and perform well. Um, but eighty four hundred, right? You know that Jakar Close is going to be a popular underdog because nobody wants to roster a guy who's been on a four fight losing streak. Uh, Seventy eight hundred. Definitely have your exposure to Dracar close. I do think that in Jeremy Stevens wins, he either gets a finish or he combines a ton of significant strikes. Well, not a ton, a decent amount of significant strikes with some takedowns, you know, and can have an impressive victory here priced only at 8,400. Did you miss your deadline to renew your Medicaid coverage? You can still send your completed annual review form to Healthy Connections Medicaid. You may be assigned to another health plan, But you can ask to come back to First Choice within 60 days of renewed Medicaid eligibility. It's your family. It's your choice. First Choice is the right choice. Renew and choose us. Visit selecthealthofsc.com slash renew to learn more. Yeah, when you look at his uh, takedowns per 15 minutes of fighting, 1.16 for Jeremy Stevens. I said this on my show yesterday. I really feel like for Dracar Close, you have to avoid getting in a brawl here. You know, you, you cannot sit there and, and decide to go toe-to-toe, right, left hand with Jeremy Stevens. I feel like he's just got to be kind of in and out, try to try to force, you know, the clinch up against the fence. But I feel like if this becomes a brawl, if you're a Jeremy Stevens backer, that's probably an ideal scenario. Yeah, like Stevens wakes up a lot when he gets cracked and then he starts to really turn it on. And some fighters are like that, right? But both of these men are coming off of big knockout losses. So I'm interested to see how they are at this stage of the game, see if they still have chins, see if they still you know, can take some shots. If we're looking at entire body of work, Jeremy Stevens has taken so much damage throughout his career, has been finished between body shots, head shots, all that, but has more experience. And I, I think that he's fought and beaten fighters like Jakar close plenty of times. So I'll edge to Jeremy Stevens here. Yeah, I give an edge to uh, Stevens as well. Of course, uh, if you're uh, watching us live here on YouTube, you see you know, our, our producer Tyler has been putting it there in the chat and also up on the screen. MMA Top Fighters tool is free over at awesomeo.com. So you got to check out that great tool, a tool that I use each and every week to help develop my lineups as whether I'm building a, a multi-entry lineup or whether maybe it's a, a cash or a single entry lineup. You got to use that Top Fighters tool. And of course, when you, when you get access to all the great premium tools and content we have over at awesomeo.com, sign up for it also plus weekly pass for $29.95 gives you access to everything we have there on the site and we do have a promo going on right now to help celebrate for next week's ufc 261 get 50% off your first month of also plus MMA. We use a promo code UFC 261. That's $14.98 for your first 30 days of also plus MMA. So you can get such things as the ownership projections, our UFC pro plays, and so much more. This offer is valid through next Saturday, April the 24th. So be sure to take advantage of that offer over at awesomeo.com. Pete, let's move on to uh, some heavyweight matchups. First up, we got Andre Arlovsky taking on Chase Sherman. And I'll mention this question over in our Slack channel from Sam. He says, uh, how important is it to consider targeting both heavyweight fights? Well, we saw last week, right, that MMA is the craziest sport ever and unpredictable things happen. And especially in the heavyweight division where they're, you know, big guys swinging four ounce gloves. So 
Um, you could do worse than having exposure to underdogs in heavyweight spots. Um, I will say that, you know, it's, it's important to target at least one of them, but there's, it's not always so black and white, but I do like having my exposure to towards the heavyweight fights for sure. Yeah, no, I, I, I'm, I think both these fights, I prefer the other heavyweight fight as opposed yes. to this one, yes. just because we just, I, I guess I'm just like, if you told me I could play Andre Orlovsky wins by split decision, it might be the odd might be like minus 300, but that's probably the prop that I want to play. I mean, and we were talking before the show started here, just about in terms of Chase Sherman, first fight since May of last year, first fight since coming off that USADA suspension for a failed drug test, for an in-competition drug test. You know, and and what, you know, what do we, what is the Chase Sherman we see show up? Is the Chase Sherman we saw show up in May a product of being on a banned substance? Or is that what Chase Sherman is in 2020, 2021? Yeah, you worded it perfectly, right? Like, how much stock do we put into Chase Sherman's previous performance over Ike Villanueva? Because he looked really good. I mean, he had good power, good shots, good selection, uh, but really good leg kicks as well. And that's really how he got his work done. It's just torturing that front leg. Um, Andre Orlovsky's pretty decent at checking kicks and staying on the outside to avoid big shots. He's really like evolved his game and uh, adjusted to the heavyweights, you know, over the years where he likes to kind of stick and move. Um, you know, it's tough to say, right? We don't really know which version of, of Chase Sherman is going to show up, you know, is maybe that PED it's tough to say that PEDs had no effect on his performance, right? Because it's why it's a banned substance. Like maybe it's more of a confidence thing. And that's when I noticed when somebody's taking PEDs, maybe they lack confidence or maybe they're always just looking for that extra edge. Like, you know, TJ Dillashaw just wants to have every possible edge over his opposition. Um, it's tough to judge and it's tough to say, but if Chase Sherman is a lesser version of himself in that Ike Villanueva fight, I do like Andre Arlovsky to stick and move and win on the scorecards. I do. I think that we've seen Chase Sherman hurt over the years. He's taken some shots. Um, Andre Arlovsky is older, but you know, he has good moments. And, you know, even in that Tom Aspinall fight, he was taking some big shots and maybe not getting enough credit for his chin. Yeah, he gets wobbled, but he's not able to get put away so easily like he used to. Um, I, I do like Andre Olovsky and another, you know, fighter with 50 fights. I mean, the experience speaks for itself. Um, but because of the PEDs kind of hanging over our head, you have to have exposure to Chase Sherman. By the way, the last time that Andre Olovsky won by stoppage, do you know where it is? Um. I'm trying to remember some Andre. He didn't finish Travis Brown, did he? Yes, he did. May 15th, or May 23rd, 2015. Yeah, see? Okay, wow. Yeah. Um, but And that, that that is a crazy fight. If you've never seen yes. that fight, go on the fight pass and watch that fight. An insane fight. Jason, look at how many fights he's had since then, right? Like, that is nuts. The guy has been so active. And say what you want about Andre Arlovsky dropping fights here and there. The guy has been super active and is able to compete with today's heavyweight. So, come on. You know, he's splitting time. He's at American Top Team. He's also worked a lot with Alistair Overeem over the years. Like, I, I like what he brings to the table. And, uh, you know, you could do worse. It's just maybe he doesn't really perform that well from a, a DraftKings perspective. 
Yeah, and that's a point that I wanted to bring up here because if you when you look at talk about Andre Orlovsky, the last time he got a takedown was back in 20, 2018 against Shamir Abdurahimov. But it, it's when you look at these these strike count numbers, and like to me, if I want to play Orlovsky, he's more of a cash games play to me than a GPP play. Where Chase Sherman, even though Orlovsky has shown his toughness, I would prefer to play him in, in a GPP. With potentially, I mean, you are talking about a fighter who is 10 years younger than Andre Arlovsky. Yeah, perfectly said. Perfectly said. Yeah, it, it, but I, I think that, look, Sam brings up a great point. I think you do have to be looking at these heavyweight fights just because of what heavyweight hem- MMA is. Up next, we have got a welterweight matchup. We have Abdul Razak Al-Hassan taking on Jacob Malkoon. Al-Hassan, 9300 6900 on the other side for Malkoon. And then $22 for Al-Hassan on FanDuel, $9 for Malkoon. One of the, the crazy prop bets, I think, is out there. And look... Jacob Malkoon is in the UFC because he is a BJJ coach of Robert Whitaker. It is crazy to me that the Malkoon wins v submission is plus 2100 on the betting odds. To me, this is just if you want to be a Jacob Malkoon backer in this one, Pete, you have just got to be hoping he can weather that first round storm. Yeah, weather that storm, not get hit with anything, and look for the takedowns immediately. Like, Jacob Malkoon is just this unknown guy, like, for us DFS players, like, because we really only got to see 18 seconds in his previous fight against Phil Hawes. And, uh, you know, there's so many, so many questions regarding him, right? Like, regional tape is underwhelming. Um, can he get takedowns? Because if he can get takedowns, you know, going up against Abdul Razak Al-Hassan, who has a 42% takedown defensive rating. Like now you're, you're thinking about what Munir Lazez mixed into takedowns um, against uh, Al Hassan. Maybe that's some way to go. But I look at this fight and I literally say, this is the biggest mismatch on the entire card. Um, do you feel that way? Like I do. Um, I probably, yeah, I would agree with that. Yeah. I mean, so it's kind of like a get right Al Hassan fight right like man you're dropped two in a row you were our guy you were finishing everybody i mean back-to-back wins over hamasi price um you know guy when he wins he puts people away and knocks them out in brutal fashion unfortunately you know against chaos williams he got caught and knocked out in devastating fashion um you know and it's kind of like where is he at now can he take a shot maybe jacob malcoon could come out there he does train with robert whitaker so it doesn't always work that way, like an Artem Lobov, Conor McGregor type of relationship where the guy's going to be, you know, similar skilled. But if you're in a room with somebody, it's just you're, you're bound to get better. You're bound to improve. But let's kind of like pump the brakes a little bit and kind of look at this from what what is he seen? What is he shown us now? And what have we seen in his fights? I got a favorite Abdul Razak Al-Hassan. I think he's going to put him away. Um and I, I think that the price is appropriate. Could be looking at, you know, a Francis and Ganu bonus. We'll see. But I, I think uh, I think a knockout's coming. It, it definitely feels like that. Hey, let, let's get Al Hassan back on target here after that loss here. So, uh, you know, look, I think it's definitely the, the, 
the right play in this one is Al Hassan. Of course, uh, if you uh, one thing you got to do is you guys subscribe also right here on YouTube so you can check out all the great pro programming we have each and every day. Hit that notification bell so you know when a new show is live here on the channel. We start early every morning, 630. You got Josh with uh, the process as he goes through breaking down. That's a great, you know, I'm an early riser, Pete. I'm an early riser. I, I sit there and I'm I'm usually one of the you know people that that's sitting there watching Josh as he's putting together everything and and how he puts together uh, you know everything he does NBA wise so you gotta check out that so you gotta subscribe here to the channel and of course uh, be sure to do us a favor hit that thumbs up that does help us a lot as well so move on to the next fight we got Luis Pena taking on Alex Munoz eighty seven hundred for Pena seventy five hundred for Munoz uh, Luis Pena a minus one fifty. Betting favorite in this one, plus 130 coming on the other side. How do you trust Luis Pena as a betting favorite? Yeah, you. I mean, it's not like he's a crazy favorite. I mean, but, like, it's tough to trust Luis Pena because he's let me down so many times, right? Like, uh, he's kind of a guy from the, from the Ultimate Fighter into his UFC tenure where he hasn't really materialized into what we thought he was. We thought that he was a specimen for being 6'3", fighting within the division, 75-inch reach, like, has such so much length compared to his opponents. And, uh, you know, in his fights, he's been somewhat underwhelming, right? Like he's had good performances, but let's look at some of the victories. Uh, win over Peterson, Wyman, and Steve Garcia. You know, like, does he really belong within the UFC when he's losing to Kama Worthy, Matt Favola? Both good fighters, right? Um, it's just tough to trust. Now, I do feel like this is a sneaky GPP fight because – Either Luis Pena keeps the fight on the feet and potentially works towards a finish over Alexander Munoz, or Munoz takes Luis Pena to take down City because Alexander Munoz is, uh, you know, one of the the wrestling coaches over at Team Alpha Male and is a, an accredited wrestler. Phenomenal wrestling. Um, you know, was previously matched up against Nasrat Hakparas, which was a crazy mismatch, like a little too much too soon. I don't know why they accepted that fight, but. Hot Cross wasn't able to put him away. And that gives me confidence here that Alexander Munoz can take whatever Luis Pena has um, and, and take him down because Luis Pena does like to resort to takedowns as well to solidify rounds. He's okay with, you know, engaging in a clinch. And when he does that against Alexander Munoz, I think that he's going to get taken down quite a bit. And we could be looking at a nice little slate breaker performance here, you know, pretty cheap too. Like I, I really like him here and I, I'm going to be targeting Munoz quite a bit. I mean, 7,500, say less. Yeah, I mean, you talk about when your UFC debut is against Haparas. I mean, that, that's a tough draw after yeah. you know winning winning on the Contender Series. Luis Pena is just one of those guys that I, I think you had high hopes for. Um, you know, when you just look at his his physical stature, um, you know, especially when he was fighting at one forty five, that was a stature that you were really interested in here. Mm-hmm. But uh, you know, when I'm looking at you know who are we going to target as those under seven, under eight thousand options on on DraftKings? To me, Alex Munoz is one of them, and at twelve dollars. This could be a fight that maybe you do have to target on FanDuel because of potential takedown defenses. Yeah, it's a great point. And um, you know what Alex Munoz is going to do. Like he he likes to strike, and he's been working at CSA a lot, which is a, a very, like one of the best striking gyms or in the United States, if not the world. Um, and uh, he's been really working on his craft there for years, splitting time between that and and uh, Team Alpha Male. They have a good relationship with all the fighters from Team Alpha Male cross-training at CSA. 
So I, I will say that his striking is not bad. It's not bad at all. The only thing is on the feet, he's at a significant, um, you know, reach disadvantage against Luis Pena. Luis Pena needs to stay behind his jab, keep the fight on the outside, try to pick apart Munoz, keep the fight on the feet. So it could be a, a fan duel darling if he's able to, to prevent some takedowns. But for me, I like Munoz as our 7K underdog quite a bit. For the best TV viewing experience, witness the coziest maroons, the most vibrant and brightest moons, the eeriest and darkest tombs, and radiant and vivid hues in any type of room with the Neo QLED and OLED TVs by Samsung. We're supposed to say Samsung, but that didn't rhyme, so (laughs) you're welcome. Samsung, more wow than ever. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. You know, you talk about working them hands. I can't help. You move your hands up. Am, am I seeing a little, little scuff marks on the, on the knuckles over here? <laughs> yeah, we, we, bro, get, I mean, we get some working at, at Rogers um, Mixed Martial Arts Academy over there. Yeah, always, bro. Yeah, we're, we're grinding over here. I, you know, uh, I got called. My buddy is uh, has a big fight in Bellator, so I'm a striking coach. So I've been working with him a lot. Um, you know, I'm excited, I, man. I, I saw the fight. I saw the fight. Yeah, it's a big fight. It's out there. Is it? I, I, I don't know. I don't know if it is, but it's a big fight. I'm excited. Yeah, Syed. Yeah, it's out yes. there. Yeah, it's it's out there. I he, because uh, you had mentioned it to me, and I then I saw like collage later. Yeah, yeah, it's a huge fight, man. I, I'm pumped. But yeah, I've been training, man. Been training, been grinding, breaking down film for you guys. You know, I'm excited for these fights. Uh, you know, last weekend was cool. It was, it was some good fights, but um, you know, I get to see my boy Romanov this week, Jason. We're gonna get to Romanov here uh, here in, in a moment. Before we get to there, let's talk Tracy Cortez mm-hmm. and Justine Kish. Tracy Cortez nine thousand seventy two hundred for Justine Kish. Uh, I, this is this is one of those fights that like in terms of GPPs, it, it, I, I don't see me having much shares of it. I, I think this has got fifteen minutes written all over it. Oh man, Justine Kish, right? Like. Um, you know, I, I like Tracy Cortez quite a bit. I, I do. It's just like, she mixes in good striking with good grappling, solid takedowns. Um, you know, she averages three takedowns per 15 minutes, only 42% takedown accuracy, good takedown defense, 85%. Justine Kish's takedown defense is 55%. I could see where Justin Kish will have some moments, but she, she'll probably want to keep this fight on the feet, but I think she'll be outgunned on the feet. Um, could get out grappled as well, coming off a submission defeat to uh, Sabina Mazo that had a victory over Pudalova and a loss to Kim. Um, Tracy Cortez, clearly the A side of this fight, but in women's MMA, anything can happen. Um, I think the UFC is starting to see that they, they could put some stock at the Tracy Cortez and as a potential fighter that, you know, can actually get some notoriety within the division. And she has the skills to back it up, comes from a solid team. So I like Tracy Cortez quite a bit, but Outside of getting a finish, does she pay off her price tag? Yeah, that 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 nine thousand price tag. I just you got to have the finish, and and I feel like is if it is a striking affair, it yeah. is how does Tracy Cortez become 
optimal? Well, okay. So like, let's look at it. When uh, Tracy Cortez fought Mello, um, 79 significant strikes, two takedowns, nine minutes of control time, um, 155 total strikes. She scored 103 points. Jason, if she gets north of 95 points, like that's fine for her salary. Um, she'll just obviously have to replicate that. And against Justin Kish, I do think that there's opportunity for it. And Tracy Cortez now down 125 pounds, I think is the other yeah. part of this. And it where you do have to look at those weigh-ins. What does she look like on the scale? But uh, this is just not a fight that I would say that I have a, a ton of intrigue when it comes to uh, you know the, the DFS side of the equation. Of course, this is the also DFS Strategy Show, and we are sponsored by Monkey Knife Fight. Head over to monkeyknifefight.com for their player prop contest. And with Monkey Knife Fight, you are in charge. And be sure to use that promo code AWESOMO when you sign up. You get an instant first match deposit of up to $50. I do love the play. They're more or less contests over there. So when you're looking for fights, particularly that you think potentially are going to play on the feed a lot, sometimes you can find some value over there. So be sure to, to check out Monkey Knife Fight. Now let's get over to uh, the president of the Alexander Romanoff fan club, Pete Rogers Jr. Take it on Juan Espino. We were talking about this one a little bit earlier. This is a, it's an interesting, you know, competition matchup here for Romanoff. Um, you know, and one thing you do with Espino's ground abilities, I think the only concern I have is what happens if Espino can get in top position. Yeah, so you guys know I love Romanoff quite a bit. But I recognize that this isn't an easy fight. And you spoke of that in our conversation prior to the show. And you said, you know, Juan Espino, man, he's tough. And yes, he is tough. So I think that Juan Espino will be one of the most popular underdogs on the slate. And for good reason. Because in Romanov's fights in the UFC, we've seen he goes like crazy. Like uh, the Tasmanian devil as soon as the fight goes. He, he closes distance quick. He wastes no time at all. He tries to throw you on your head multiple times. Um, but with all of that work rate, his, you know, he exerts a lot of energy and I am worried about him gassing out in one of these fights. Like what happens if he's met with some resistance from Juan Espino? Now, Juan Espino training on American top team. Let me say that one guy that he could be training with that could, could replicate Romanov to a T and even better is the wrestling coach at American top team, Steve Mako. Steve Mako could be doing rounds with Espino getting Espino prepared for this fight better than anybody. So I will say that Juan Espino needs to be on your radar. But you guys know, I love me some Alexander Romanov in, in the heavyweight division. It comes down to um, cardio a lot, who lands a big shot a lot, or who's in top position. Now, I wonder who would be willing to accept position more. Um, and I, I, I do feel like Romanov will put Espino on his back. But I do have concerns for both. So... This isn't a smash spot where typically I'm sitting there tooting the Romanov horn saying lock him into your lineups. Um, tread carefully here, but split exposure. This is one of my most prioritized fights on the entire card. Um, I feel like you're either going to get a ton of points via control time, reversals, uh, takedown, significant strikes, um, maybe a late finish. Um, perhaps it, I, I just hope it's not like a, a three round, sloppy, tired, heavyweight affair where one guy really fatigues and they're kind of just hugging each other against the cage because they're nullifying each other. 
Yeah, it's just one of those fights. I feel like you gotta you gotta maximize exposure to this one. We're especially talking about GPP, just because I feel like the the likelihood is that the winner of this fight is going to be optimal. I feel like it, Jason. Right, but like we've seen sloppy heavyweight fights. Right, like we know that Espino. It's an interesting matchup, and the reason it's interesting is because Espino has solid wrestling. Romanov is has dominant wrestling. Um, if you look at their numbers, Romanov per 15 minutes lands 6.35 takedowns. Juan Espino lands 14.19 takedowns per 15 minutes. Obviously, these fights are skewed because they're you know they they have limited fights in the UFC. Uh, total fight time, uh, average fight time for Romanov in the UFC seven minutes. Average fight time for Juan Espino three minutes and 42 seconds. So um, I'll be smashing exposure to this fight. I will still lean with Romanov because I feel like he's undefeated and his ground and pound is what I think will separate him from a lot of heavyweight fighters within the division. But I do have my concerns. Espino, 40 years old. That's that's obviously his older heavyweight, but that that takedown ability and what he can do on the ground, he is special on the ground. Matt over our Slack channel says, if Romanov destroys Espino, unexpected, can we crown him a real contender? Um, yeah. So like with, with guys like this, like how, how old is Romanov? He's got to be somewhat young, right? Let me see. 30. Uh, yeah. But for heavyweights, that's young, right? Like heavyweights, you could be 40 years old and making, yeah. making a run. I, I will say that Romanov should be brought along. This is a tough matchup, right? So like this, this fight, if he gets a victory or smashes Juan Espino, you can't argue him a, a fighter within the top 15, if not the top 10. Yeah, I mean, I just this is just one of those fights. That I feel like you got to have exposure on, on both sides of the equation. I just I feel like it, it's going to be a fight that ultimately does end up optimal. Let's move on. Next up, we've got a female matchup: Jessica Penne making finally making her return after her various issues. She is now taking on a UFC newcomer and Lupita Lupi Gudinez, who is a massive betting favorite. This one nine two hundred over on DraftKings seven thousand for Jessica Penne. I've had a chance to uh, talk to Godinez on, on a pair of occasions now. She is a striker. She tr- uh, trains up in Canada, but uh, she has been in Denver. When I spoke to her last week, I asked her when she got the call for this fight that she was shopping in Costco, which mm-hmm. after the fact, I should have said, so what were you shopping for? I, I missed the natural follow-up question. Yeah. But, uh, but this is, I mean, look, she's a striker. Um, I do like the prop bet of Godinez to win by TKOKO plus 500. I do think if it does happen, it does happen later on in the fight. Uh, the only concern that you really have seen with Godinez uh, on film is as you know when the fight has made it to, to later, more more notably fourth and fifth rounds. Uh, you do have you know maybe some questions about the, the gas tank there. But uh, I, I think there's there's a lot of questions on Jessica Penne. You know, long time inactivity. What does she look like? You know, losing out on the prime of, of her career. Uh, you know, to me, I think this is about the the young up and fi- up and coming fighter here in Godinez. Yeah, I'm interested in this matchup. I, I wish that Godinez wasn't priced so high, right? Because then I would probably recommend playing her at 9200. It's tough to really recommend it because she's going up against Jessica Penne who had a full fight camp and, um, you know, Godinez, you know, I, I look at her record. I'm like, who is she really fought? Okay. Well, she has a very impressive victory over Vanessa Demopoulos. Like that was a nice showing. 
Um, in her amateur career, she has some victories over Sam Hughes. So that's interesting as well. She has tons of amateur experience, which is always nice to see, right? Because, um, you know, she, she's had her time in the cage. And I, I will say that up against Jessica Penne, like the girl had skills and the girl was on the ultimate fighter for a reason. Um, you know, she has some big wins and uh, you might laugh at this one. Uh, Angela Magana, uh, um, uh, Aisling Daly. Okay. Random Marcos. Okay. Like those are all winnable matchups, but in her defeats, you know, she just most recently lost to Daniel Taylor was TKO back to back from Jessica Andrade and Joanna and Jacek. Now it took Joanna and Jessica Andrade, uh, three rounds to, to TKO her and then Andrade in the second round. So, I mean, if Godinez goes out here and kind of cuts through Jessica Penne, like a hot knife through butter, then this girl's legit, and I do think that she is talented, and Jessica Penne is probably done. Um, I, I I predict this fight's going to go the distance. Jessica Penne will obviously look to take it to the, to the mat, but I do think that she could be met with some some strong takedown defense from Godinez, who does seem like she's well-rounded. And, uh, you know, coming from a, a solid camp, I do favor Godinez in the matchup, man. But, like, as far as 7K underdogs, right, like – would it really surprise you if Jessica Penny went out there and, and took took her down, got some takedowns? I mean, think about Randa Marcos, right? She scored four takedowns, 39 significant strikes, seven minutes of control time, and scored 94 points. At her price at 7000 she does that. She's a very, very valuable piece for your lineups. It's a clear path to her victory. There's yeah, no question it, about it. Yeah. I think it's the only path, right? I think it's a... It's a small chance of happening, but uh, I think it could happen. Look, Ronda Marcos is clearly the best win of Jessica Penne's career. Yeah. If I yeah. said, what is the number two? I don't know what I would say. Bro, I don't know either. I mean, I was just looking and <sighs> Aisling Daly, but I, I guess. Um, yeah. I mean, that's probably where I'd go with that, to be honest. April? April 22nd, 2017, the last time Jessica Penne has fought. That's quite some time. But throughout that time, I will say, right, so let's kind of – we know that we like Lupita Godinez in the matchup, right? You, Everybody yeah. listening to this show, we know that Godinez should win this fight, and she's probably, you know, thought of as a nice fighter for the UFC. I will say that Jessica Penne is surrounded – uh, by Angela Hill almost all the time. Like she's a main training partner with her, likes to train with her a lot. If she's sparring with Angela Hill and she's kind of progressed over these past three, four years, you could be looking at a nice underdog here at 7K. But, uh, you know, sprinkle her in. No, I'm with you there. Let's move on to the next matchup. We got Fabinski taking on Mearshart. Do want to mention this question we got uh, in Slack earlier from Marcos. He says, is Fabinski a better grappler than Mearshart? So the one of the toughest things to tell um, when, when you're doing a tape study is how a fighter's hips are. You can you can kind of see how a fighter's hips are, but hips determine a lot with when it comes to scrambles and it comes to uh, you know getting takedowns or preventing takedowns. I will say that Gerald Mearshart, like he's not the better wrestler. He's not the better wrestler. Fabinski is definitely the better wrestler. Um, it's just like Fabinski's kryptonite is when he's paired up against submission artists. And guess what? He's paired up against a submission artist in Gerald Mearshart, who has most of his 31 victories coming via way of submission. The guy is a crafty submission artist. And, uh, you know, 
I think that Fabinski needs to be on his P's and Q's. Now, this is another fight that I will be hammering exposure to. Because for me, I think this is a sneaky fight. Um, you have Gerald Mearshart, uh What's he at? 7,900? Um, I, I think that's interesting. I think that, uh, you know, Fabinski at 8,300, that's interesting. Both of these fighters at their respective salaries could break the slate. Fabinski could score six, seven takedowns here, avoid an arm bar, avoid a triangle, avoid getting his, you know, his neck stuck out there and getting caught in a submission and win a decision in route to a hundred point victory. But, you know, he could easily get caught by Gerald Mearshart. So since Gerald Mearshart's under that 8K range, he has to be one of your most prioritized underdogs on the slate, and he's priced like it. Yeah. Interesting press release I just got. Okay. Looks like Chris Chow has got a new job. Okay. Yeah, just got a press release that says, uh, Rich Chow has been named the VP of Wimp to Warrior. Joining the company April 19th after, after previously serving as VP of Talent Relations for Bellator. Okay. Interesting news. That's interesting news on the uh, May landscape. I have to make some calls after uh, the show's over. <laughs> I'm going to have to make some calls. Um, okay. You know, but Mirshar, you know, my also question is how does he bounce back? You know, after what we saw yeah. against the fight against Chimnev and um, I do think as terms of GPP, I think this is one fight that definitely uh, sticks out to me. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's all about how does a fighter rebound from a highlight defeat, uh, losing to Chimaev like that. Previous to that, getting knocked out against Ian Heinish. Um, he has one clear path to victory. He's, you know, catch Bartosz Fabinski in a submission. And, uh, you know, at 7,900, I'll definitely consider him. But uh, Fabinski will have plenty of exposure to as well. Yeah, definitely uh, something. Then we got a female matchup. Uh, Nunez taking on Zara Zara, 7,600. Nunez, 8,600. And then 14 and $15, respectively, over on FanDuel. What's your take on this one? Yeah, you know what, man? Like, you know, Josiane Nunez is like a tie fighter. She really likes to keep the fight on the feet, looks for a tie plum, throws leg kicks, straight punches, decent combinations. Tough to trust her in a debut. I mean, you would look at her against Zara Farron, who has been winless in her two UFC attempts. But if you look at it, fighting Megan Anderson, round one defeat, fighting Felicia Spencer, round one defeat. Both of those fighters aren't easy fights, you know, within the division. There are much easier fights. Um, and I do think that for the division, you know, Zara Farron at 5'8", 73.2-inch reach, I think she'll look to keep the fight on the feet, you know, work her from distance, avoid getting caught in a clinch, avoid getting smothered, you know, in kind of like a phone booth. And I, I, I don't want to prioritize this fight, Jason, but since Zara Farron does have two UFC fights, um, in comparison to Josiah Nunez, I actually think I, I'll, I'll take a shot on Zara Farner at 7,600 because she's, you know, in that price range that is appealing. She has to do less than Nunez does at 8,600. Of course, uh, one of the great perks of being a also a plus member is that you do get access to our premium Slack account where you can chat with our entire DFS community. And of course, uh, I do take part in office hours on Saturdays before live for lock to answer your MMA questions. So just a great perk we have over here. Awesome. Mode. of course, we do have that promo going on right now. You see there at the bottom of the screen for UFC 261. Be sure to where you can get a 50% off a awesome MMA 
plus MMA monthly pass for fourteen ninety eight. Great offer we have there. Of course, you got to use that promo code UFC two sixty one. Let's move on to uh, two more matchups to go here. We got Austin Hubbard taking on Dakota Bush. We do not have any salaries on this one. I'm we just actually, waiting. We yeah, actually come do in. now. Yeah, they just added it. You have Austin Hubbard at 8,900 um, and Dakota Bush at 7,300. Okay, when I looked before the show, it was not there. <laughs> First off, uh, if they call Dakota Bush by his nickname, I will be absolutely amazed. <laughs> totally not expecting it. I, I've known Dakota Bush for multiple years. He's a yeah. wrestler. That, that's the best way to put it. Yeah, um, I mean, I would love nothing more than for, you know to hear uh, to hear the UFC announce by his nickname, but I don't think that's going to happen. And I will say that Austin Hubbard has done well against wrestlers; like he gets taken down, but he's from a good camp where he's surrounded by solid wrestlers, and uh, you know gets back to his feet. Um, and you saw what he did in that Max Roshkop fight, and what he has done in some fights. Like he's tough to put away. Yeah, Joe Selecki got rid of him, but. Outside of that, like the guy has, if you're looking at what he's faced in the UFC and now he's facing Dakota Bush, who's looking to do the same thing, Davi Hamos, Prepolek, Marco Madsen, Roshkov, Joe Selecki, like that is like murderers, grapplers row right there with a lot of grapplers, a lot of wrestlers. I think he's going to be well prepared for this fight. Um, You know, he has tons of UFC experience. I do think that Dakota Bush has some early appeal like in round one where he, he did get a few knockouts. Um, but I, I just think that Austin Hubbard can shine in this spotlight. Yeah, it's uh, for Dakota Bush. I mean, look, he, he's he's a guy that I thought you'll probably see on the Contender Series at, yep. the, at this point this year. But he's got to utilize his wrestling uh, to get the win there. And so, um, so a guy that I'm definitely paying attention to. Now, the first fight of the night to me is a fight that uh, I'm probably going to be overexposed on one side of it, and that is Tony Cravley. 9,400. Wish he wasn't 9,400, but when we're talking about DraftKings scoring, Tony Gravely has a chance to break the slate here. Yeah, I like Tony Gravely quite a bit. And, uh, you know, from New England, I know Tony Gravely because uh, he he's fought in the same promotion that I fought for. He's captured the title in the promotion. He's fought some amazing fighters. 20-6, um, and six, very, very impressive record. He really, really impressive record. And the kid has skills in all areas. And he's a dominant wrestler who – it has good top position, um, you know, decent striking as well. Like he's a, so, he's solid everywhere, Jason. He checks a lot of boxes. I have, I think that he has a ton of potential and I have high hopes for him within the division. Um, you know, outside of, you know, losing his fight to Brett Johns. Like I, I think this kid is the, the real deal. I, I do. I think a win over DeFreitas, a win over uh, Rodriguez says a lot about him. And that, uh, you know, despite the heavy price tag, I'm okay with it. And I understand that Anthony Burchak has some impressive wins uh, coming off a defeat to Lopez, um, you know, has a, a nice knockout over Soto. But I will tell you, it's Tony Gravely for me, man. Like, I, I really like him within the division. Yeah, I mean, you, you talk about the the fighters that are going to score the best on DraftKings are fighters that are going to go to take down rats. So to me, mm-hmm. Tony Gravely is someone that I definitely want to look forward to uh, in terms of rostering here. Of course, uh, be sure to head over to Osmo.com and check out our f- MMA Top Fighters tool, which is free over at the site right now. You've been seeing it on the screen throughout the show. And, of course, uh, be sure to subscribe also right here on YouTube so you always know when shows are live here on the channel. Of course, myself and Pete will be back on Saturday for Live Before Lock for 
p.m. Eastern time. If you do have any questions, be sure to pop those in the chat. We'll get uh, get to those questions before we get out of here. But, uh, Pete, let's go right into our straight-up fight picks. These are not DFS-related. Uh, let's start at the bottom. I think we both know where we're going with the first fight. Uh, Tony Gravley. Yeah, Tony Gravley for me. Austin Hubbard, Dakota Bush. Uh, Austin Hubbard. I'm Hubbard as well. Nunez and Zahara. I will go uh, Zahara Fair. I'm going to go that way as well. Uh, Fabinski and Mearshart. I'll go Mearshart. I will go Fabinski. Uh, Godinez and Penne. I will go Godinez. Same. Godinez. Uh, I don't even have to say who your pick because we both know you're picking Romanoff. I will go Romanoff as well. I don't even have to mention the other. I don't even have to mention Juan Espino's name because, well, I know who you're going to pick. Uh, then we got uh, Tracy Cortez, Justine Quiche. Yeah, Cortez. Yeah, Cortez for me as well. Uh, Luis Pena, Alexander Munoz. Munoz. I'm going to go Munoz as well. Al Hassan or Malcoon? Al Hassan. Yeah, same there. Arlovsky and Sherman. I'm going Arlovsky. I'm going to go Sherman. Give me the younger fighter. Uh, Jeremy Stevens, Jakar Close. Stevens. Uh, I'm going to go Stevens. And main event, Robert Whitaker and Kelvin Gastelum. I'll go Whitaker. I will go Robert Whitaker as well. Uh, Sam, I appreciate you earlier there in the super chat with his usual question. So, uh, top two cash. Um. Well, for cash, right? Like, you need to... You need to get either Romanov or Espino because of their grab. Uh, you know what? I'll say Gravely is a nice cash play. Um, besides that, I will say Munoz. How about Al Hassan? Yeah, no, I, like I think Al Hassan's like a, a no-brainer for sure. He's just expensive. Top two GPPs. Top two GPPs. Gotta be Romanoff or Spino. Um it's gotta be gravelly because of the takedown ability. That as well, yeah. Yeah. Uh top two underdogs. It is going to be Gerald Mearshart and Munoz for me. Uh, Munoz would be one for me. Um the other one that I would look at as a underdog, um, will be Sherman. Uh, okay. but but you know look it's that's it could be a 15 minute heavyweight fight that doesn't score much. Uh MVP and champions. Well we don't uh when I looked before the show there were no super draft lines out so kind of tough to go there. Uh in terms of uh FanDuel MVP um I feel like we're just going to kind of repeat ourselves a little bit here. Um Gravely Romanov slash Espino winner. Um, and potentially Al Hassan with a, a quick first round finish. Yeah, I would agree with that, man. Um, and uh, you know maybe if Mearshart can prevent some takedowns, not in the captain spot, but he's in an interesting spot right there because you know Fabinski's going to be shooting like crazy. Top inside the distance fights. Hmm. I would say <clears throat> Al Hassan Malcoon. Yeah, easy. Romanoff Espino. Fabinski Mearshart. I, I think it's going to be a long night. 
Like, there's other fights. Like, I, I, I kind of think Gravelly Burchard goes a distance. Hubbard Bush. I think I that's a all- sneaky one. Yeah, I, I can see Austin get it. Uh, Nunez and, and Farron distance. If Godinez gets a stoppage, I think it's late. Um, I think if Penne wins, I think it's likely a decision. Agreed. Uh, Cortez Kish decision. Munoz Pena, I think, probably goes off 15 minutes. Um, Sherman Arlovsky, especially if Arlovsky wins, you do expect that goes 15 minutes. It's going to be a long night. I think the co-main event could be a sneaky, you know, inside the distance spot. Yeah. Uh, who could break the slate? It's got to be Gravely. You, you, it, it, with this new DraftKings score, we shouldn't even say new. It's now been around a couple months now. But it's got to be you got to find the ta- the massive takedown fighters who can break the slate. Yeah, it's a, it's like a three-way tie for me. Gravely, Romanoff, Espino is like, you know, making sure you have exposure to one of them. Uh, top leverage plays. Well, I will say that probably Burchak is one of them. Biggest leverage plays because Gravely is so, so talented and Burchak is so cheap. I really don't want any exposure to Burchak, but I get it. Uh, he does have some impressive victories between his hands and submissions. Um, another another uh, nice little leverage spot would probably be Justine Kish. I really yes. don't want, like, I don't really want any exposure to that as well, but from a, a leverage perspective, I understand it. You know, what I'm always doing when I'm looking for leverage spots, I'm looking for fighters that we are projecting at under 20% ownership. Yeah. And who could go there? And, and Alex Munoz definitely is one of the ones that sticks out to me. Austin Hubbard at 8,900 becomes an interesting possible spot there if you think he can win by finish. Yeah, I think it's a sneaky spot for him. I will say another um, interesting leverage play. I don't have any faith in it. it would be Jacob Malkoon against Al Hassan, right? Like that's that's a dart throw. Yeah, I mean, he's under 10% ownership. Yeah. But I think it's you know, the ownership's correct on that. It really is. And Jessica Penne could be a very sneaky play on FanDuel. Very sneaky play. Agreed. Of course, uh, be sure to check out our Top Fighters tool, which is free over awesomeo.com. Of course, we'll be back on Saturday for Live Beat for Lock. If you ever have any questions, you can hit us up in Slack. Also, hit us up on social media as well. Do want to thank our sponsor, Monkey Knife Fight. Be sure to head over to monkeyknifefight.com. Use that promo code AWESOMO to get an instant first match deposit up to $50. So until Saturday, we will see you on then to talk about UFC Vegas number 24. Have a good night, everyone. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, overprohibited by law, 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to. Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. 
Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.